Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominitz. I'm the sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And on Georgia Southern Extra, we talk about Georgia Southern Athletics, mainly football. And here we are recording on Tuesday of game week, uh, the road trip to Old Dominion. The, the Georgia Southern Eagles will play at Old Dominion on Saturday. The game's on ESPN 3. Oh, sorry. The game's at 3.30 on ESPN Plus. I should get that right. And uh, it'll be up in Norfolk. And we have the best two people in the world to talk about the monarchs, the monarchs because we have the Monarchists, uh, Aaron Zielinski and Michael Langston, the co-host of the Monarchist podcast. And I was just their guest. Uh, the green room was kind of lacking in snacks, I got to say. <laughs> there was no green room. I'm in the green room. So um, they're, they're kind enough to have me on their show and they're and, uh, kind enough to be on my show. So uh, Mike and, and Aaron, we're going to be with you in just a second. I just want to remind everybody, George Southerners, four and three overall three and uh, one and two in the Sunbelt Conference after their first conference victory uh, last Saturday night at Paulson Stadium. The Eagles upset number 25, James Madison. Um, it's 45-38. It was a high-scoring game, a dramatic game, a lot of back and forth, a lot of turnovers, a lot of action. And in the end, the, the Eagles fans stormed the field, beating a ranked team. Uh, it was kind of a, a dream. Uh, it, it was a a dream scenario considering George, uh, James Madison looked great on paper. They looked great on national TV, beating Arkansas State a week earlier. Uh, just uh, number two def- total defense in the country, number one rush defense, and they certainly proved that holding the Eagles to a net 12 yards rushing, a 0.8 average per carry on 16 carries. So what the Eagles did, if they can't run the ball, if they're tired of putting running their head up against the wall, they pass the ball. A, program record 64 times Kyle Van Treese, I think it was 38 of 60 of 64 578 yards it's 578 yards be a record a lot of places especially Georgia Southern which has decades of being a running team so as you guys know uh it was kind of an inverse of how the history has been 16 rushing yards 578 passing yards 590 total yards in any given year going back 30 years, you would think that was the rushing heavy, but no, it was the passing heavy in a new era under Coach Clay Helton and offensive coordinator Brian Ellis. So they've got that first win. They got out of an 0-2 hole, and they got a huge favor from their not their best friends up in Norfolk. Old Dominion knocked off Coastal Carolina, which had high hopes of being undefeated and nationally ranked, uh, come, you know, and really kind of preparing for a big run toward an East Division title. It's still out there. They're 3-1. and one. But Old Dominion got them that first loss, and that opens things up with James Madison also no longer undefeated. That East Division is wide open. Uh, teams are only three games or four games into their conference 
schedule. So it's kind of tough to say how anything's going to go. But that's where I'm going to bring Mike and Aaron, or Aaron and Mike will go alphabetical. Thanks, guys, for coming into the show. That's Mike Langston, Aaron Zielinski of the Monarchist Podcast. And our other Sunbelt Conference connections, congratulating you guys on knocking off Coastal Carolina and making life better for everybody else. Are you guys hearing a little bit of thank you, kind of a backhanded thank you from anybody? Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, for having us and joining us on our podcast, first of all. But uh, we are in a Sunbelt Twitter chat group, <laughs> and the DMs are going wild during that game. Oh, yeah? Uh, team Southern, Georgia Southern fans, App State fans, Marshall, Louisiana, pretty much the whole league was rooting for us in that game. And it's kind of weird because you don't expect that to, when you join a conference. But it was it was great to have that support. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron did you, do you have a favorite thing that you read, or Mike, a favorite thing that you read from somebody that kind of was clever or like uh, very sincere? Uh, the outpouring has been amazing. We've learned a lot about the conference and about the disdain for Coastal. It's <laughs> been pretty interesting. But I do want to thank you for bringing me in first because for my whole life. The last name is Zelensky. Oh, I've always had to sit at the back of the classroom. So, oh wow, rock on. See, um, uh, Michael Langston has an L. He does. He's middle of the pack. He doesn't know what you're talking about. M and L, and I and I, uh, I've got the N and the D. So I'm not. But yeah, A to Z. You're right there. A, a Ron. You're right there. That's right. <laughs> well, you bring up. I, I'm not like you know a, a Coastal Carolina person, but I've they've mastered getting under other teams skin you guys are new to the conference but they're not shy on on viral videos or post-game celebrations or comments when they have a team down and they're the better team which they've been the last two years pretty much most every game they let you know it and maybe that's not everybody's style uh but uh, you know it's a new era but yeah so i don't think uh you know app state has its uh, fans and detractors as well that's Georgia Southern, just this is no surprise to the people who regularly listen to the podcast, Georgia Southern's biggest rival historically and, and just year in, year out is App Appalachian State. They were together in the Southern Conference. They played each other a ton of times. Uh, Georgia Southern has two victories over a ranked App State team, which is not something App State will want to bring up. Uh, but that was the only previous time Georgia Southern's ever beat a ranked team in Paulson Stadium. They're two and two and two now. The James Madison game that just happened. App State, I think it was 2018 or 2019. They beat App State the, the other year that I just mentioned in Boone. And then last year, they lost to Coastal Carolina, and it wasn't that close. And they lost to BYU, and they played, they hung with BYU for three quarters. BYU's number 14 had some future NFL guys on that team. But then they, you know, the better team won. So, uh, but Coastal is not, is I think they're, they're a big rival of George Suns because they get under people's skin. And then the other one, I, I don't want to leave out at all, and it's not in any order, Georgia State. It's in-state. It's in the same division. It's in the same conference. They recruit the same guys. They know each other from high school. That's a rivalry inside and out. So App State, Georgia State, Coastal Carolina emotionally. And then, uh, so so ODU did them a big favor. But, you know, that could come back to haunt them if in a tiebreaker, ODU, Georgia Southern, only one team goes to the, this is very hypothetical, but only one team goes to the, only one team wins the East. And uh, so the so you could say whoever wins this game Saturday has a leg up and whoever loses, um, well, ODU is only is 2-0. They're in the first place. So they've got some wiggle room. Georgia Southern does not want to lose a third game. 
not this early. Would you agree that the, the division is just a monster? Yeah, there's not going to be an easy game any week of the, the year. And we're, I've been looking at it. At the beginning of the season, I didn't know what to make of Arkansas State or South Alabama, but I knew the division was going to be tough. But now even South Alabama is going to be a hard out. Yeah, yeah. So the rest of the season for Old Dominion is none of it's – it's all going to be a flip of the coin. You don't know where it's going to go. And we've seen it with other teams in the league, Louisiana Monroe, a uh, consistent bottom feeder. They take out Appalachian State. Um, right. We you just don't know what's going to happen week week in this league. It's, and it's great to see because we're coming from a league where you could pencil in four or five wins just by looking at the schedule. And yeah. uh, there wasn't that parity. The parity is fun, and I think it's going to make it for uh, make for a great league. The uh, the uh, Aaron, I think the, the we're worried about them cannibalizing each other in terms of a national aspect. When Coastal Carolina made that great run a couple of years ago and beat BYU on national television in that pandemic, hurriedly played, you know, scheduled game, short week scheduled game. That that and you know that was a great run. App State has been ranked nationally uh, every year, uh, you know, or so. Uh, there was that week earlier this year. It's now a distant memory when Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, and then uh, Marshall and refresh my one beat Notre Dame and one beat Texas A&M. Yeah, I, you can't. Yeah. So it's not so crazy. That sounds so crazy. That's hard to any any decade. If you said that three Sun Belt teams are going to knock off an SEC team, Notre Dame, and a a, a Big Twelve team, that that just went and, we, and we knocked off Virginia Tech the week yeah, before. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. They that well. The, the league made a point to lump those four together, but I yeah. know they didn't happen the same day. But OD, yeah, Virginia Tech. Um, uh, well, that, and actually, I want to bring that up too. You have the the whole conference getting used to, but. Uh, college football in the state of Virginia, you know, Virginia's for lovers. Now it's for college football, right? What um, I'm trying to, I don't want to leave anybody about, you mentioned Virginia tech. Uh, you got Virginia, the Cavaliers. Uh, you got old dominion. You got James Madison now at FBS level. And is Richmond the fifth one. Uh, right. Liberty. Liberty. That's right. One. I forgot Lynchburg. Yeah. But uh, Liberty is kind of like an afterthought in the state. Cause wow. no one from the state really goes there. No, I mean they're a good program. Well, they, right they, they they recruit because of the na- religious school they recruit right. nationally. They, 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 they got a dangerous team, but every year they 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 do very well. Especially Georgia Southern lost to them in the in Orlando in the bowl game a couple of years ago. Yeah, they got the money cannon going. <laughs> What's a money cannon? I <laughs> only they can tell you. The uh, but the, the but the, but football in Virginia. If you want to address that about where people go, um. Football players in Virginia, where you're talking Northern Virginia, Central Virginia, uh, the Hampton Roads area, there's really good athletes, really good football players, and they don't all go to Penn State, although your coach would have liked that just a couple years ago, right? Well, I think I think that our coach kind of, you know, helped to make that happen a couple years ago. But fortunately, we've got them here now. And, you know, as you mentioned that, football is great in the state of Virginia. And fortunately, Coach Ronnie and his staff – have completely um, revamped, or I wouldn't even say revamped, have have just made done an amazing job of making relationships with the high school coaches in the state and really shown them that if they send their student athletes to Old Dominion, they've got a coaching staff that's going to develop those kids. They're going to take care of them. They can trust them. And it's a place that they're going to be able to achieve their, you know, not only their athletic 
aspirations, but they're academic ones and succeed. Mm -hmm. is, is Old Dominion known for certain areas of study? Like, do they have like a, a top like marine science center, a marine science program or, you know, being so close to the Navy, maybe there's the RTC is like world beaters or something. So, uh, yeah, we're really well known for our engineering program, but on top of that, um, our shipping and logistics. Oh man, um, that's huge now. Yeah. Um, we, we, we do have a huge military population at our school. We have a lot of active duty military. We have actually some, uh, remote campuses throughout the world on military bases. Oh, yeah, so cool. we have a really large military population in our uh, alumni base and in our students. So we have a lot of students of military, a lot of military themselves, uh, military spouses. Um, so the military is very close with Old Dominion. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Old Dominion and Georgia Southern are not total strangers. Now, based on my recent history with you guys, I don't want to bring up the games Georgia Southern had uh, like a miracle, not a miracle, but a, an unbelievable comeback and won play both playoff games, right? Back in the FCS days from long ago. But one of the players from back in that era, Taylor Heineke, is pretty prominent name in the NFL. He's got his own great story. Is that is that is that one of the prime guys from Old Dominion when they talk about Old Dominion football? Is it Taylor Heineke? I think you guys mentioned Ken Bays Kent Bazemore in basketball. He played for the Monarchs. Wait, there's a bobblehead. Yeah, well, I got the, the Kent bobblehead right here. That, that's not Kent. actual size, is it, Aaron? That's not actual size. <laughs> no, it's 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 not the world's it's shortest not. basketball player. That's right. Well, you mentioned Taylor. I mean, we love Taylor. Taylor Taylor's a a legend not only at football but Old Dominion in general. And as Mike was talking about engineering and some of the the programs that are important um, and and prominent in the school, anyone that knows Taylor's story knows that. Taylor's a guy, he's a really smart individual. And I, I can't remember what his major was, but it was some like applied mathematics. Yeah. Just, I don't know what it was, but whatever it is, it's, it was, it's difficult, I, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but yes, say, Taylor, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor is, uh, we look forward to every time he makes it back to Norfolk. Oh yeah. The, um, uh, we we got to mention, mention Nancy Lieberman. Is it oh, long? Yeah. Oh, well, see, you go back, especially when everyone was celebrating the anniversary of Title IX. Uh, Nancy Lieberman, Old Dominion uh, women's basketball, uh, yeah, just legendary. So you're right. Um, yeah, I think I think all the national network announcers when Taylor Heineke made his re breakthrough with the the Washington football team last year or two years ago, and how he was kind of pulled out off the streets in a sense. He wasn't pulled off the streets. He was pulled off of um, studying for a math final or something. Like he he was trying to get his um, master's in like you said, applied mathematics or, or something. And, uh, you know, he had, he had been around the NFL a little bit. We're not, we're not here just to re rehash that, but a great story and uh heck of a guy. And as they said up there that Heineken, the beer really missed out when they didn't, I think he linked a deal with, was it Bud Light? He did endorsement deal with Bud Light. Heineken, That's right. Bud Light. That's right. Okay. So I guess that, that, that gets your attention because it's not what you would think, but it's, it's a better beer for where Taylor's uh, energy is. Uh... <laughs> always thinking there, Mike. You always yeah, thinking. yeah. You, so you think he has a beer at halftime? Is that what you're saying? Well, he actually got uh, a little bit went pretty viral when he was playing in one of these uh, off leagues. I think it was the AFL. Oh yeah, right? yeah. That was and uh, he got Lewis? famous for shotgunning beers after wins because they were giving them seltzers and beers in the locker room. Right. Okay. So the reason I know that. Was because was it the St. Louis Nighthawks or something? 
Battlehawks, I think. Battlehawks, thank you. Thank you. Nighthawks was probably a Sylvester Sloan movie or something that's buried <laughs> in my head. Uh, the One of the other quarterbacks on that team was Nick Fitzgerald. Nick Fitzgerald from a Richmond Hill High School, which I mentioned to you on that on our previous show that we did together, um, the other direction. Nick Fitzgerald uh, was, a, was a great – he followed Dak Prescott at Mississippi State, set all kinds of quarterback rushing records, uh, just a standout um, player while they was there. Couldn't uh, didn't actually make it to the NFL for very long. He had a, a look in the, with the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay, but uh, to my knowledge, Nick did not hook on with anybody. But he went viral with the, those seltzer. What did you call them again? Where they smash it and I think they were shotgun in them. Yeah. Uh, well, kids, we don't do it. Don't do as we say or do as we do. We're not shotgunning on this. Project. We we do have to give Taylor some credit for his creativity. I think he had a little bit of a different spin after each each win. I think one time he had like a helmet with one in each side, but whatever it was, he had a Bud Light seltzer okay. uh, game plan each time. Okay, well that's a perfect transition for our break here. Uh, we're going to be right back and you guys can go get drink, whatever adult beverage you may have handy at your, at your locations. We'll be right back with Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Zelensky. I can't even now, now you I screwed up. Now it sounds like I've been drinking Bud Light. Aaron Zelensky and Mike Langston of the podcast, the anarchist pot, the anarchist, the monarchist podcast. They're anarchists tonight. They're taking over my show. It's a takeover. Uh, it's like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon fighting it out. They have the same agent. So go figure that. Uh, we'll be back with them, but we want to take some time to to uh, plug the best source for local news in Savannah, the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. If you want to know the latest on the Georgia Southern football team like we've been talking about when we're not talking about Taylor Heineke, uh, which uh, high school football teams are hot and which are not in the Coastal Empire. How about Savannah State Tigers? How they're doing on in the, in the marsh with the new coach Aaron Kelton. We have all that and more, including news features and opinion columns. If you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. You can get a full access to all of our digital content, that sports news opinion features. The, the, the special that I saw today, and I know I talk about this every week on the podcast, $1 for six months. That's $1 for six months. A couple days ago, it was $22 for 24 months. Uh, but this is practically giving it away. A dollar for six months, that'll take you well through football season, well into basketball season. If you want to give us a try, we would highly recommend to just ask Aaron and Mike. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. That's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. Uh, give us a try. Get all the uh, content uh, from all the different uh, sections of the paper, all on the digital website, uh, digital subscription. Okay, let's get back to our guests, Aaron Zielinski and Mike Langston from the, the Monarchist podcast. And let's, let's actually talk football. And talk about break down the game a little bit. I know you guys know ODU inside and out. I'm going to start with sacks because that is kind of maybe one of the the uh, where the rubber meets the road, as somebody used to tell me. When if OD if you, ODU has the best statistically the best sacking team in the country, 25 total, and then for average, I think it was 7.7 or something. They also have the number one tackler in the country, and Jason Henderson. So he's on the field. The sack guys are on the field. Is Kyle Ventries, the George Southern quarterback, is, does he have a fair chance out there? Are you guys going to be nice and let him throw the ball? Or is ODU going to be just in his face all game long? Well, we're going to send a lot of different blitz packages at him. Uh, we have a multiple defense. It's basically a 3-4, can shift to a 4-3, uh, down to a 4-2-5. Um, the, front, the front four 
Um, we can ship, we can substitute eight different guys into the front line. And what we try to do is have the defensive line eat up all the O-linemen and all the blockers so the linebackers can go and make that tackle. And that's led to Jason Henderson making so many plays, leading to his 80-plus tackles on the season. Yeah. Um, however, that defensive line and, and those bliss packages have been very successful this year. Though I would say with Kyle Van Trees only having two sacks on the year, it's going to be quite an interesting matchup. Who is going to win on that? Maybe you'll slow us down a little bit and we'll slow you guys down a little bit and we'll meet in the middle of the road. But <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to watch. What's the over and under on sacks for George, uh, by ODU on Georgia Southern, Aaron? That's a tough one because Van Trees gets, gets rid of the ball well, so quickly. Uh, ODU is averaging 4.17 at sacks. That's 25 in six six games. You guys haven't played seven games, played six. So 25 sacks. And, and Henderson has is averaging 15 tackles a game, which is a lot. Jason Henderson is, is crazy. I mean, he's got a motor that doesn't quit. This last game, he actually, I think Jason had maybe six or seven tackles. But, like, everybody had a lot of tackles. On our podcast on Sunday, Gary, like they call our defense the Ted Lasso 425. Uh, Roy Kent chant, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. That's kind of how Jason Henderson is. The guy just is around the ball. He finds so the ball. You need to know where he is in the, on the field at all times. If you don't, bad things can happen real quick. Um, as for an over-under on sacks, it, I don't – I honestly – I. My predictions stink, so I don't want to make one here. Um, but I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens because something's got to give here. I mean, you guys have only had two all season, right? And we've had 25, so something's got to break. Yeah, I, I guess I would split the difference. Like, if you got if ODU averages four and change, and they've given up two all season, I'll say they'll give they'll give them two sacks. And maybe they run the ball a little more because, uh, you know, just opportunity. But, yeah, this is all just very um, hypothetical at this point. I know they, they, the coach has been working hard to figure it out. You know, evidently, um, ODU is 3-3, three and three, so the, there's a blueprint or template maybe of how to approach this from the teams that have been successful. But ODU's played so many close games, um, I, you know, so many one-, two-point games, close games, I would say – Probably nobody's gotten it right, right? Nobody's like dominated ODU or shut down ODU. ECU got it right. Yeah, um, that was the one. And what they did, what what's been our biggest weakness on defense has been on third down. Um, if your quarterback can make plays like with his, yeah. if he can make plays with his his feet and extend those drives, because mm -hmm. we're we're putting ECU in third and longs, and it didn't matter because their quarterback kept making the right play on third down. Um, if they can make, if Kyle Van Trees can make some plays with his feet, I think that's going to be, that's going to give ODU some fits. Um, luckily, the past couple of weeks, we've actually figured that out a little bit. Uh, McCall did, he had negative yards against Old Dominion. Wow. He and before that, speed, um, Liberty's quarterbacks were known for running. They didn't get any yards against us. That mm -hmm. game was more, a lot of people, a lot of ODU fans will tell you the Liberty game was decided by the referees <laughs> and a couple of balls bouncing the wrong direction. Yeah. But uh, they've contained the quarterbacks in the last two games, and it's changed how 
the success rate of Old Dominion defense and offense. Well, uh, Kyle Van Trees is a pocket passer. Uh, you know, he ran for a on a quarterback draw for an eight yard touchdown against um, Nebraska to win the game. But that was a play, as I said on your show. I don't think anybody expected they had worked on it, uh, but they I they pretty much had Nebraska fooled. I don't know if anybody touched Kyle Van Trees on that run in the red zone like that, um, where everybody's watching the ball. You know, so uh, he's I don't know if he's going to win games with his feet. He's going to win. He's going to complete passes with his head, his experience with his arm, with his quick release, with guys running the right patterns. Um, you guys had asked me on the show about when he'd had some difficulty, like against Georgia State and uh, UAB particularly, and that was a team, as I said on, on your show, they dropped eight in coverage, and they had athletes that had good defensive backs, and there wasn't anybody open that much, or if they were open, it wasn't by much. Um, he had real trouble finding open receivers. He was forcing the ball. He lets his players, just as a rule, he's very aggressive and lets players make plays, and he's got playmakers, as uh, if you saw the highlights from um, of Derwin Burgess making the catch against James Madison. That's a play they also did against, uh, I think it was uh, Morgan State. I might be wrong on that, but they're, they're willing to let the, the, the backs go up and get the ball, win balls. Um, the 75-yard the catch for a touchdown that, that Amari Jones had against James Madison, which was huge at the time because – James Madison had just scored, I think, to start the second half and look like, oh, no, here we go again. And then in one play, I think it was the first play from scrimmage when George Southern got the ball back, he throws out Kyle Fandrice, throws it deep over the middle. There's a defensive back right there. And Kyle uh, Amari Jones grabs the ball first and then takes off running. The second defensive back, he breaks his tackle, and then it's all yards after catch after that. So, um it's, I think that's going to be, I think the, the big thing to talk about, I think, is ODU's running game. Uh, and, and you guys have an interesting story to tell because it's not like they've been great all year, right? It's they were great against Coastal Carolina, and we mean great. Tell us about the running game and where it was and where it is right now because right now ODU's hot, and that may be enough to make them the favorite just because they're real hot coming in. It, the running game really broke out this week. Blake Watson had 250-something yards, a few touchdowns. I, the offensive line was opening huge holes. But I think uh, – I won't steal Mike's thunder, but our offense – I think our offense approached the game a little bit differently as opposed to being completely run-based from the start. But, Mike, why don't you take it from here, man? So all season long, uh, our our offensive coordinator, Kevin Reiner, he's 31 years old, 30 years old. Um, he was elevated to the position in preseason. Um, wow. We had another OC that left in the middle of August. That's, and that's he's a Penn State guy, and he like he wants to establish the run, right? So the first for the first five games of the season, he was just trying to establish the run first to open up the pass. And what we saw started to work against Liberty in the second half and more so in Coastal, the, the first quarter, he was throwing a lot, and he was having success with the pass, and those run, rushing lanes opened. So instead of trying to establish the run to make the pass, he reversed that against Coastal, and the rest of the game, they had running lanes all day, and eventually we were just bullying them, and they couldn't tackle at all by the time we got to the fourth quarter. Yeah. So so it there's been some games where um, – Old Dominion did not run the ball very well. And then against Coastal, uh, you mentioned Watson had like a, a school record, like 259 yards. And uh, his average was like 13 yards a carry, which 
So this scenario is not going to be so strange to Georgia Southern fans in, in preview kind of hype because Ball State has a runner with a great name, Carson Steele, and he's like one of the fittest, most um, buff running backs in the country by like the athletic named him one of the freak athletes. And there was a real fear there because that was right after the U- UAB game where their running back, whose name escapes me, just like he escaped the defensive players, um, he uh, he just ran all over oh, 200 plus yards. If you run, if if uh, any running back runs for 200 plus yards against the Georgia Southern defense, that kind of that that ball control, that time of possession, that's going to keep the ball out of Georgia Southern's hands. Uh, even though they play an up tempo offense, and time of possession is not a, a purely fair. Um, measurement of of how the game went if georgia southern has the ball less than the opponent in the old in the running days the run the run dominant days that would mean something now it just means they had the ball less than the opponent because they scored quicker or conversely if there's something went wrong quicker um we've still got about eight minutes in the show so you guys can still give nice answers to my rapid fire questions here i did Um, i want to add something on blake real quick so one other thing we saw in the coastal game that we hadn't seen earlier in the season was he was a lot more patient hitting the holes. Um, Last year, he had a great season. Uh, He was a 1,000-yard back last year. But uh, earlier this season, he was kind of rushing it a little bit, trying to hit that hole a little harder and running into the wrong gaps. Uh, He was a lot more patient against Coastal. And once he – the patience paid off because he was finding those holes open up as he was waiting for the hole to open. He's not the biggest guy. He's listed 5'9". Yeah, he was actually recruited to Old Dominion as a receiver. And so uh, no one ever expected him to become what he is, but now he's our third all-time leading rusher. Um, he's wow. he's He's been a fantastic piece for us the past couple I, seasons. I want to mention, and I'll let, Aaron, I'll let Aaron feel this one, I want to talk about Allie Jenkins, who's uh, statistically and, and in real life is one of the top receivers in the country, uh, number two in receiving yards, uh, number one in receiving yards per game, you know, that six game thing. Uh, and 129 yards a game average. That's pretty darn good. It's so good. It's number one in the country. And he's tied for six in uh, receiving touchdowns. So he's dangerous, Allie Jennings. And then I want to ask you about your quarterback because is he he's just a solid guy, uh, uh, Wolf, or is he? Well, Aaron, why don't you tell me about Allie Jennings and, the, uh, and how dangerous he is? Yeah, Allie is extremely dangerous he proved that last year especially in the second half of the season once he um Hayden Wolf took over the offense in the second half of last season and that's really where we saw the connection of those two mm-hmm. and then Ali's hit the ground running from game one this year um he's had a touchdown in every game except the first game of Virginia Tech but he might as well have had two because he had two huge pass interference calls right on the goal line it should have been touchdowns but he's definitely a, a game changer. He's a smart player. He's very savvy. Um, he had some key plays in this last game that really opened it up for Old Dominion. He's a guy that y'all will have to really keep an eye on and have a strategy against. But that's what really helps us as well, because as we've seen in the last few games, we've had secondary receivers mm-hmm. start to really blossom young guys that are finding their role on this team zach Koontz has been out for two games or pretty much all of the last two games but we're seeing other guys emerge so it's really uh been you know difficult for defenses i think to key in and because 
all those different options there. Ali continues to have big games. You mentioned Hayden. Mike can talk more about Hayden, but Hayden continues to develop each week. You can see him getting better. You see him get more confident. His presence in the pocket is better. He's stepping up and he's finding opportunities to use his feet. He's never run before, and he's still not a running quarterback. But a couple games ago, we saw him pull the, the, the first ball and run into the end zone very easily for a touchdown. You mentioned you know, Van Treese's the other day, you know, the eight-yard um, quarterback draw where he was untouched. So defenses have to actually think that, well, Hayden may actually hold the ball or keep the ball on one of these plays. And then in this last game, we kind of saw the emergence of what we would call the Mac attack with DJ Mack. So our starting quarterback last year for the first half of the season to come in on some some packages and ran them extremely effectively in this last game, uh, both running the ball and throwing the ball. So really kept Coastal completely off balance just when they probably started to try to key on Blake or Ali. All of a sudden they get hit with this other thing. So as a fan, I'm not even sure what I'm going to see on Saturday because I feel that there's going to be a new wrinkle that we just don't know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, we got a, a minute left here or so, but um, I, I should say my memory of Galventries, I think the photo of him soaring over the goal line against Nebraska, he eventually did get touched. <laughs> I don't think he, he scooted around the end or anything. I think he dove. I'm trying to remember now. But, um, yeah, the uh, Georgia Southern has had has so many close games, uh, which OD you can uh, identify with. Um, every game after the opening game against Morgan State has come down to the last two possessions basically some a lot of times the last possession and uh, whoever had the ball last uh, or whoever scored last is probably who you're talking is probably the happy team uh the trend has probably continued throughout the whole season um i we uh i'm i'm i'm, I'm i guess you guys have been there but i odus it looks like they still have momentum from last year when they started uh one and six and then got up to six and six and you mentioned the change in quarterback and there was a first-year coach last year, right? Last year was his first year because of the pandemic and everything. So uh, it seems like ODU on paper was wishful thinking. It seems like they—they, they, I mean, I know they're three and three and not six and zero, oh, but it seems like they're a very dangerous team. And maybe they figured out a lot of things, uh, position by position, unit by unit. But certainly, if if you if uh, the number, the way they played against Coastal Carolina, I don't, I don't know if that can be repeated week in, week out, but it seems like that would be certainly within the realm of possibilities and against the Georgia Southern team that's had a weakness defending the rush. Um, and they kind of really shut down. They got burned by big explosive pass plays last year. Now, some of them are against like against Arkansas, which at the time was like number 10 in the country. So that's going to happen, but, uh, or close to number 10, but they, um, they made a point of not giving up the big bombs this year, and maybe they're going to have to worry about a lot of things against ODU. Uh, what, how do you see the games going, guys? Aaron and Mike, how do you? And we got literally got a minute left. We got. I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, yeah. I saw some projections uh, that projected both teams to score thirty-five points. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be close to that. Um, and the one thing I think might be in Old Dominion's favor is the turnovers. Old Dominion forces a lot of them. Um, Kyle Van has shown he is 
he can throw a lot of picks. So I think that might be something that will come into play here. Uh, who knows if it will. But um, I like our, our chances. I think it's going to be a great game. And I think you're right. Maybe it's probably going to be the team that has the ball last. Yeah. How about you, Aaron? I, I agree with Mike. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think there could be fireworks in this game. Um, but I do give us the edge word home. Our defense is a bent don't break that comes up with those big plays. Um, and if it comes down to the end, we both teams have, you know, good kickers uh, that could win the game from anywhere. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to beat the clock here. I think I thank my guests, Aaron and Mike. Tremendous job. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We'll find out who was right or wrong uh, next week. Uh, they got to play the game still. Uh, thanks for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We'll be back next week, and we'll talk to you again soon, or uh, hopefully you listen to us again soon. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Tremendous job. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.